Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Hello everyone, welcome to church. My name's Shannon, if you don't know me. Uh, I'm part of the team here and uh, I'm, uh, I work with our next gen. So basically all the kids pastors, youth pastors, young adults pastors, they do all the hard work and then I just take the credit. It's wonderful. I say, look at this. Um, but um, no, so good. Let me give you a couple of announcements before we jump in to the word. Let me talk to you about On Track. This is our growth pathway here at Nations Church. We're about growing. We're about stepping into the more that God has for us. And so let's be excited. Let's keep growing in Jesus by being at church on a Sunday and being in a connect group. That's, that's us being discipled and being transformed. And then we also have a couple of courses that we run. We run Life Found. Now Life Found starts again next Sunday, the 30th of April. This is a four-week course that covers the basics of, of the Christian faith. Now, if you're new to your walk with Jesus, this is a must for you. But even for those of us that have been doing this for a while, it's an awesome course to just, one, reestablish some foundational truths, but just come back to the beautiful reality of what it means to follow Jesus. And so that course is for you as well. And then we have Life Activated. So Life Activated, this term is running out of our Myrie campus, and uh, there's still time for you to sign up. This commences on the 2nd of May, and it's running for five weeks now. All the feedback said, we, we want more, we want longer, so we've extended it to five weeks. Pastor Chrissy, Pastor Gareth, Pastor Mel, they've been working hard to really take the content to another level, and so we're really wanting to see you get activated in the things of God, right? Um, if you want to take steps to activate God's purpose in your life, you want to, this course is for you. If you want to deepen your understanding of the Holy Spirit and its role, this course is for you. If you want to discover your spiritual gifts, this is for you. It's, it's a, such a charging time and there's incredible prayer and ministry. It's really amazing. So if you're saying, yep, I want to step in the more that God has for me, I want to encourage you to sign up. You can go to nationschurch.com forward slash on track to register for either of those courses. But... Uh, I'm excited for today. I really believe God's got a word for you. And uh, I, I'm, I'm aware that we're in, we're in April. Mother's Day is coming up. We're almost in May. There's Mother's Day. There's my birthday on May, May 17th, if you want to jot that down. Um, like, I'm not, I'm not expecting gifts and stuff, but, you know, they, they say never deny a blessing. So if you're wanting to do that, I'm not going to have a party, but I'm always open to surprise parties if you want to plan something as well. But, but I'm aware, like, you know, the year's moving on. And, and I was just thinking back to, you know, it was February where we had our vision weekend. And, and for those of you that were here on that Heartbeat Summit on the Saturday, man, there was an incredible move of God and just what God was stirring. And then we went into the Vision Sunday at, at PCEC and just an incredible move of God. And, and, and Pastor Ken and Chrissy brought this, this vision of, of, of here and now. Uh, the idea being that this is about us having an urgency of stepping in to what God has for each of us individually and for the church. You know, we're not waiting for a pandemic to be over anymore. You know, the time is now. No more. Let's wait and see. Let's just wait and see, right? But, but the, the, you know, I guess the world and the p- pandemic made us kind of put our hopes on hold, right? And our, put our dreams to sleep. So this is a call for every person and for us together as a church you know, what has God been calling you to do? It's time to step into that. You know, maybe it was stepping into Leader Connect or be more involved or do something in your community or whatever that may be, that's stepping into what God wants to do in you and through you. 
Now, a few months on, it's kind of easy to, like, in that moment, be like, yeah, 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 I'm so in, and I'm going to start doing this, and I'm spending time with God. But kind of a couple months in, I think it's easy for us to start to maybe just step, slide back into how things were, or kind of go into cruise control. Or, But I just sense, man, God is calling us upwards into so much more. And and I think it's so important that we understand when, 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 when our pastors and when, when God speaks a vision like that, we each carry a responsibility to steward that prophetic vision and to see it outworked across our lives. Otherwise, it's just a fun little branding thing and those look nice on the screens and that's the end of it, right? You know, even if it was a couple of months ago, I guess the question still is for us is, what is God wanting to do in you and through you today, here and now? You know, and I keep just being prompted by the Lord back to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And, and I remember our first service of the year, Pastor Ken actually opened the year with this scripture. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the way, son. You see, he's the same God, but he wants to do a new thing. And God is giving us an insight. He doesn't change, but what he wants to do in us changes, right? And, and, and what he wants to do through us changes. And, and as followers of Jesus, entrusted with the kingdom of God, well, he wants to take us greater into the things of God and see an outworking of his kingdom through us. So, I mean, what, is that? what does that look like? What is he wanting to change or to revive or to pioneer or to deepen or to expand or to stabilize, whatever that may be? Because you know? God wants to do a new thing in every heart. He wants to see his kingdom come across our church, across our communities, wherever you are online as well. But do you perceive it? You see, are you aware? Are you ready? Are you engaged with the Lord for what that is and what part you play? Because it's our responsibility to perceive it, to seize it, and, and to steward it. You know, I, I've been thinking about what we're seeing in the youth ministry and what we saw in, in the youth camp in, in summer. And, and I think that's a great example of stewarding what God is speaking. You see, we're, we're seeing like this revival in our youth ministry. Just young people getting set free and incredible, powerful moves of God. It's been incredible. But I remember in the youth summer camp, there was this one session where... The focus wasn't even like, we weren't really going after freedom and deliverance and stuff. It just started to break out. And the Holy Spirit just started to move in a phenomenal way. It was really crazy. But I don't just think that was a fluke or a coincidence. I wholeheartedly believe that's because Pastor Matt and Sydney have been stewarding what God is saying to them and the shift he was wanting to do. You know, Sydney had a team ready for, for ministering freedom. She prepared prayer covering. She had instructions for everyone on, on what to do, if, when this would break out. And, and, you know, she they had positioned the youth ministry for, God, for what God was wanting to do and what he was speaking. And I believe that because of their faithfulness in applying that, that shift, well, the kingdom of God just moved and is moving in a greater way across nations' youth. You know, parents, if you've got a teenager and they're not there, I want to encourage you. I cannot encourage you more. Get them there. Get them to Friday nights. Make it a priority because their lives are being transformed. They're falling in love with God. They're being discipled. It's not hype. It's a genuine move of God, which is incredible. But what does that look like? For us, for to take hold of what God has for us here and now. You know, what does it look like for us to dream and to see God do greater across this church this year? Because we can get to this point, you know, in, in April where we're just busy and we're just grinding through. And maybe there were things we were really going after that we've kind of just forgotten about. And, and so, you know, my, my heart is that today God would call us upwards again. God would stir us, come on, I want you to keep running. Don't just have a good January or February and then just slide into to whatever. Because God's heart 
is to take people from slavery and the wilderness into the promised land, right? Into the promises of God. And so we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 33 today and, and unpack what that can look like for us. And this is um, basically, this is the point in time where God is wanting to lead them into the promised land. And so we'll dive into this scripture and there's some points I want to pull out of that. And, and then uh, for those of you, if you're, you're new here or you're just not sure about faith, I'll give you an opportunity to ask Jesus in your heart. And then together we're going to respond and, and see God work in our hearts. Does that sound good? All right, Exodus chapter 33. We're going to go from 1 all the way to 17. You guys are okay with that? Who loves the Bible? Yes, amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. Someone say, go up. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and the Vegemite, and the Stalactite, and the Plebiscite. Um, Go up, all the ites, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." Do you know what that means, stiff neck? If you ever tried to get a donkey or even a, a strong dog to go one way and they're doing this one, no, I'm not. that's being stiff neck. The dog wants to go that way, but I'm like, hey, I'm trying to lead you this way. Stop being stubborn and thinking you know what's best. All right, that's what it means, stiff neck people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you're a stiff necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meeting, which is outside the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the Tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he'd gone into the Tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Beautiful. That's, that's God's heart. To meet with each of us, to talk with us, to minister us. Incredible. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except if you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you've spoken for you have, met, you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. <clears throat> this message today is called, Go Up. Yeah. Go Up. 
You see, God is calling us upwards into greater, right? Greater discipleship, greater moves of His presence, greater freedom, greater leadership and influence, you know, greater restoration, greater outreach, greater activation, greater ministry and equipping, greater communicating, greater wholeness, greater breakthrough, amen, to go up. But it's up to us to take a hold of that here and now, amen? Who wants that? Who, who wants to go up into the more, the greater that God has for them to do in them and through them? Does anybody want to go down? It's probably not the right message for you or, or maybe they're not the right church either. Go up. You see, in this text, I see six keys for us to take a hold of so that we go up. Now, I was really hoping there would be seven, you know, because that's like God's number of completion and fullness, but it just wasn't to be. So I hope we're all going to be okay with six. Um, that's still a lot, you know, that's six is a lot of points. And like, you're probably going to need to write these down if you're going to really take them away with you today. But number one, go again. Go again. You see, God is saying to go up, take your land, take your identity as my victorious people, all that I have for you. But this is literally right after the incident with the golden calf. Now, if you're not aware of, of the story, basically Moses is up on the mountain encountering God, getting direction for the people. What's next? Where are we going? And the people are like, he's taking too long. Where's God? You know what? Let's just make our own God. And they throw all their jewelry together and forge up this golden calf. Like God's literally just brought them out of slavery. He's parted a sea for them to walk through. And they're like, ah, I don't know where God is. Let's make our own. Like, oh my goodness. Like they've literally just stuffed things up big time. They've turned their eyes off of God, even after all he's done. They hadn't honored him or, or done what he asked them to do. They made a pretty big mistake. They messed things up pretty good. But God is committed to them being his people. And he still decides to lead them into the promised land. That's incredibly gracious and merciful, right? And honoring of his commitment to say, you're my people, right? Now, you and I, you may have made some mistakes. Maybe, uh, you know, you've not grown like you really would have liked to have. Or maybe last year you didn't really step into what it was that you felt God asking you to. You might have some disappointments around, you know, how some things unfolded. But, but God is gracious and he's saying, go again. Go again. I'm still with you. I've still got great plans for you. You know, what I spoke in your heart, I'm not taking it back. You know, his word does not return void. Amen. Jesus didn't bench doubting Thomas because he's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe he's risen. And he certainly didn't bench Peter who denied him three times. So he's not benching you or me. So we got to get back in the game and go again. Amen. You know, if you've come in today, perhaps low on expectations and, and high on disappointment, you know, you got to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and decide, no, you know what? I'm going again. He's not writing me off. He's saying, come on, I still got my promises for you. I didn't step into what I wanted to in this past, past month or past decade. I don't know what it is. I didn't grow or overcome that thing like I wanted to. But, but God, okay, I'm declaring the time is now. I'm stepping into what you're calling me to. I want to go up. I want to go again. And you do this by his grace, not your greatness. You know, we're going to lean into his grace again, Amen. You know, some of you I sense are probably ready to respond to that right now and let God do a work in your spirit. Now just hold on. I'll give you an opportunity to respond at the end of today. But there's more, okay? Now as we continue to, to look into, into this text, we see in verse 2, God says, I'll send my angel with you. And then in verse 3, he says, but I'm not going with you. 
What's going on here? Is, is God having a little tantrum? You know, is he he's like, you know, you're not coming to my birthday party. You know, is it what, what's happening? Like, no, th- this was actually a challenge to Moses and to the people as a whole. God's basically saying, well, you can have the promised land. You can have all that wonderful thing to experience, but I'm not remaining with you in a close and personal and intimate way. And so if they were satisfied with that arrangement, well, that just proved they only love God's blessing and not God himself, right? If they challenge God, pleading with God for his presence, don't, don't go without, we don't just want the blessing, we want you, then it would show a genuine heart for God himself. And this was their first step as a, as, as, as a people of Israel towards restoration and revival. You know, this goes one step further than we see in verse 4 that the people displayed their pen, repentance and mourning by not wearing their ornaments. They knew this was not the time for decorating the external, putting on a front, saving face. No, no, it was time to bring the heart right before God. Right? This was their second step towards their spiritual restoration and revival of Israel. And so my second point is we need to have a heart check. We need to have a heart check. You know, what, what matters to you? You know, what, what's driving you? Is it a genuine heart for God himself and, and for others to genuinely desire God himself? Or are you often being driven by the opinions of man or how you look on the outside or how others are perceiving you? Is it, is it success? Is it getting your family into a better position financially? Is, it, is your focus on excitement or seeing some phenomena or is it for God himself? You know, what's stirring your heart? What's getting you upset? Is it what matters in God's heart? You know, if you, review, if you were to review the complaints in your heart this past week, would they be what God is complaining about? You know, we must come back to having a heart for God himself and having a heart for others to desire God himself. You know, it can happen. You know, when we leave our hearts unchecked, they can get cluttered with, with pursuits and, and focuses that, that don't echo in eternity and they lead us into an apathy for the things of God. Right? I remember when I was in Phnom Penh and, and we had our, our, our English service and I was running that and man, God just did a massive heart check on me. I, probably without fully realizing it, I wanted this English service just to be like this pumping big service. Like It's going to be like my relay. Like, it's going to be amazing. And I remember I was literally backstage about to come on and lead a communion moment. And I felt clear as anything. The Holy Spirit say right to me. He said, Shannon, you don't even love these people. I was like, oh. Oh my goodness, like, and, and <laughs> it's, it hit me good. And, and he's like, you just want this pumping, awesome church. But, but my heart is, I want you to love these people, not the number of people, right? And let me deal with how it grows. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a good guy. I'm, a, I'm not an evil pastor. I'm a good guy, you know? But um, these little ulterior motives, these little niggles can actually just creep into our hearts. You know, we got to allow God to check our heart to bring us back into alignment where things are out of whack, to get our hearts right before God so that we can go up, so we can experience the promises and all that he wants to do in us. A right heart is one that's all about Jesus, all about his presence, all about him being in the center of our lives. You see these ornaments, right? It's a beautiful thing that they took off in repentance. Well, check out what they become in Exodus 35, verse 22. It says they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. There it is. And brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man made an offering of gold to the Lord. And basically, they became 
the offerings for the building and the beautification of the tabernacle, right? The, uh, the place that would host the presence of God. It became a gift of worship, which was used to host the presence of God. You see, when we get our hearts right, it becomes a beautiful offering of worship to God and it facilitates spaces for God's presence to occupy. You know, if you want to see God do something in your workplace or in your family, well, you actually need to get your heart right. Let that be an offering of worship to Him, to be all about Him and His business. And that's how we will go up, is to have a heart check. Next point in Exodus 33, verse 7. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Number three, set space to seek God. You see, Moses takes his tent and he sets it up outside the camp. That would have been a bit of hard work, you know, grabbing all the bits and pieces. It would have been inconvenient. And he sets up his tent and he calls it the tabernacle of meaning. He declares, he initiates that this is going to be the space that I create for myself and people to encounter God. God didn't tell him, I need you to go and move your tent out there and start seeking me and make a space. No, no, no. He determined to seek God for himself. And this was birthed obviously out of his heart being right before God. He wanted God himself. So God didn't have to tell him, oh, I need you to go and set up your tent. Moses did it out of this desire for God. And then because of that, it says in in verse 11, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. you got to understand, that wasn't a thing back then. Pre-Christ, God didn't speak to people in that way. They were separated by their sin. But we got to understand, intimacy flows from intentionality. You want to be close with your spouse, you actually have to intentionally spend time with them, make time with them, right? It's the same with God. We can't expect to be freely moving in, in the anointing and the gifts of the Spirit and hearing clear strategies from God for our families or for work or whatever it may be if we aren't stewarding our intimacy with God. Verse 17, God says, my presence will go with you. But that's literally translated, my face will go with you. And that's referring to the immediate, tangible, close presence of God. You see, Moses' intentionality to seek God made him a carrier of the tangible presence of God. You see, but when we are intentional about seeking the presence of God, we deepen our friendship and our intimacy with God. And then this further aligns our hearts with all of His will. And it actually leads us to go up into His promises for us and his, these greater spheres of influence. This was another step for the people of Israel, stepping into that revival and restoring relationship. We must be setting space to seek God. You know, when I was leading the, the, the church in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and, and we didn't have uh, family support or much around us, and, and I remember God telling me, I want you to block out your whole Thursday morning to seek me. And, and I would go um, on a Thursday morning up to, if anyone's been a, on, a, on a Cambodian mission trip, the Frangipani Hotel, I'm sure you know it. Um, rest in peace, actually. It didn't survive COVID. What a shame. Um, so now we have to find somewhere else to stay on a mission trip. Anyways, I would go up to the top. Top level was the bar. It wasn't open in the morning. Don't worry. I wasn't like, come on, Jesus, speak to me. No, it was nothing like that. But just it would overlook all of Phnom Penh. And I just know in that space, God would speak to me. He would begin to give me strategies for church. He would minister to me in my heart. He would sustain me because he saw, like, you know what, you're setting space to seek me. You know, notice that the place of meeting was outside of the camp. 
This was because Moses was looking for people who really were truly willing to go out of their way to draw close to God. He was separating those that were really wanting God versus those that were just along for the ride. You seeking God is going to require you to go out of your way. It's not going to be convenient and it's going to cost you. Right? Taking my family to revival prayer night, it costs me, right? But I want what God has for me and my family, right? Spending time with the morning in, in, in the morning with God, it costs me because I have an 11-month-old who still wakes me up in the night. It costs me, right? But when we do pay the cost, oh my goodness, the Spirit of God begins to work in us. There's a separation. It's not a, I'm holier than others. No, no, no. But there's a burden for the glory of God and the state of the church. And it's answering the call to consecration and to go up into what God has for you. God's got so much more for each of us. God's got so much more for you, for those of you online. Exodus 33, 11, it says, He would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You see, Joshua was gleaning off of Moses. He was watching how he desired after God, how he prioritized the presence of God, so, and setting a space to seek God. Now, if you don't know about Joshua, he becomes Moses' successor and overcomes 32 kings. He leads them into the promised land. You see, Pastor Ken and Christy, they need more Joshua's. Right? They need more Joshua. They need a church that are right there, here with them, hungry for the presence of God, ready to go up into the promises of God. We want to see the lost found. Amen. We want to see disciples made. We want to see nations reached. Amen. We must all treasure the presence of God and not underestimate what God is doing in you and preparing you for when you do set space to seek Him. You know, I, I doubt that Joshua knew that he was going to be the one that God would call to take down 30 plus kingdoms for His glory. What does God have for you? When you choose to set space to seek Him. You know, our pastors, they all need us to go up along with them. It's vital to seeing this church go into the greater with God. I mean, think about it practically, right? If Let's say the church was to grow by 50%, right, through reaching more people. How can the existing leadership and connect groups, etc., lead and disciple all those people, right? We, we can't. They need lead, we need leaders coming up under us. We need people to serve the kids and the next gen, the connect leaders being raised up. We've got to set spaces to seek God and prioritize His presence because God has more for each of us, amen? Make His presence your priority. Exodus 33, 8 to 10. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he'd gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. Your passion for his presence will stir a passion for his presence in others. Verse 8 to 10, you see, when Moses worshipped, everyone watched and then they worshipped. It led them to worship. You see, we will set the spiritual atmosphere of our families, in our connect groups. You know, people are watching, right? Your colleagues, your neighbours, they're watching. Not like through the window, like creepy neighbours, but I mean, they're seeing how you conduct yourself, what you carry, how you different from every other neighbour that maybe doesn't know God. How hungry are we? How much are we pursuing His presence? You know, in your serving team, your connect group, your family, your workplace, are you leading with a passion for his presence? Yeah. You know, at Heartbeat Summit, that Saturday as I watched Pastor Stacey Hillier and Pastor Corey Turner worship and just be so in love with God here at the front. Like, like Pastor Corey, he was a different person. It was, it was unbelievable. I was, 
I was so stirred to worship. Right, seeing them, seeing them just so serenity, that made me want to worship God more, you know. <laughs> They're in the middle of a revival in their church in Newmont. Like literally, they're having meetings that go on and people just set free, people coming from all over the globe, you know. And something he said again and again, he said, this revival has been founded on a hunger and honor for the presence of God. A hunger and an honor for the presence. You see, our passion for his presence will stir others to be passionate for his presence, you know. We got to go up here and now in our spiritual hunger, amen. It's April. It's not conference season. It's not vision season. Come on, it's just us walking with Jesus saying, God, I want more. I want to go up. I want to step in to what you have for us. You see, them seeing Moses worship, it brought comfort to the people, knowing their leader was meeting with and hearing from God. Fathers, parents, you know, we need to give our families that confidence, amen. Like if they're going to rise and run with us, our stewardship of the lead, as the leaders of our homes is to be diligently seeking his presence and hearing from God, amen? That then flows out of your speech, your attitude, your actions, everything that you do. You see, Moses' relationship with God made them want to worship with God, worship God. What a challenge to us, hey? Do people want to draw closer to God when they're around you? You know, I caught up with a, a couple, a family from church a couple months ago and and just chatting with them, they were just so uplifting to be around. They were so full of God. Everything coming out of their mouths was what God was doing and speaking. It was beautiful. And I just, I walked away so inspired. And I was like, gosh, I'm so ungodly. I'm such a bad Christian. No, I need to say, no, I walked away saying, I want to spend more time with God. Like, I want that. I want that coming out of me. You know, that's the call for all of us. Amen. That's who I want to be. And that's who the lost world around us needs us to be. People that draw others closer to him. Your passion for his presence will stir a passion for his presence in others. Are we doing okay? Yeah. yeah. Another one. From verse 12 onwards, Moses is speaking to God with this real boldness. You know, in fact, it's almost rude. Like, he's like, you know what, if you're not coming with us, well, then there's no point on going. And like you said, we're your people, but you're not with us, you know. This is, he had this determination to have God's presence with them. If you're not coming, then we're not going, you know. Don't get rude with God, but pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. That's been so prophesied of our church that we will be called a house of prayer. That doesn't mean we run more prayer meetings. It means all of us collectively catch the call to pray. We can't get away from it. You know, we start to forget about it a couple months on. Then last week, Pastor Brandon Cormier and the 5 p.m. preaches this incredible message, prophetic, calling us into prayer. This is what God has for us because he wants us to go up. It's for us, for our wholeness, for our freedom, but also for those around us. Amen. It's a prophetic call for us to rise up in prayer, to pray bold prayers. I think sometimes we, uh, we forget who we're praying to, you know, or, or we get our hearts twisted in, in what we're doing where we don't really want God maybe to bring great increase or transformation in us or our family at work because, well, that might mean there's more work or that's a bit messy or that requires me to really do something and I'm kind of comfortable in where I am. But come on, we need to pray bold prayers. Right, we're on the edge of revival, amen? We, I see it, I smell it. <laughs> the prayers of the righteous, that's you and me, are powerful and yield wonderful results. We must prioritize prayer and pray bold prayers, right? Step out of our reality and step into God's. You know, in, in uh, term three last year, I really felt God speak to, to me about us as a next-gen staff team. So our kids, guys, our youth guys, you know, getting together every, uh, every uh, Thursday morning and praying, like really interceding, interceding, committing genuine needs to God. And, and I was just curious. So I started to look up 
just some stats, you know, just to see if anything had changed in that sense. And, and it was wild to see from the moment we started praying, continuing praying, the youth ministry's attendance went up significantly and the number of new people and salvations doubled. Amazing, right? And that doesn't even include the big outreach night that we did. I wasn't counting that. You know, our kids' attendance here in Myra went from just a low 200s to high 200s every Sunday. Like more people coming and encountering God. Now you can call it a coincidence or I just call it the power of prayer. We were praying bold prayers. We continue to pray. What are you praying for? What could you be praying for? You know, if we're going to go up into what God has for us, we must answer the call to prayer. Verse 13, it says, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and find grace in your sight. Last point, what's his way? What's his way? He's saying your sight, your way, know you, your people. He's consumed with God, right? He's desperate for God's heart and God's will. He's in a place where like, I don't know where to go or how to do this, but you do. I want you to lead us into the promises, right? He's obsessed with the will of God. He's refusing to make his own plans or own way and is completely dependent on the Lord. You know, and our desire to go up into greater, don't leave the Holy Spirit behind. You know, don't run in a direction that you just think is best or is good, but, but we're going to say, God, what do you want? What do you want to do? What, what's, what's he highlighting? What's the strategy for now? God doesn't just give vision, but he gives strategy to outwork the vision. What's he saying for you to do to see that shift in your family happen? What's he saying for you to do to see a greater move of his presence in this campus, right? What's he saying to do to stir a greater hunger in you or to, to, to do in your workplace or community to, to make a priority right now? What's he saying? Are we asking him? In our seeking of him and our intimacy with him, we've got to be asking the question, what's your way? How do you want to do this? What's the next step? What do you want to do in me today, God? I'm yours. What do you want to do? You know, if you know what happens in the rest of Exodus, you actually see that that generation, Moses and the people, they don't go up into the promises of God. They don't take a hold of the promised land because they fail to keep God as Lord and actually say, yeah, we're going to seek you. We're going to go after this. They don't follow what Moses is modeling to them. You know, it took a whole another generation under Joshua's, under Joshua's leadership before they took what God had for them. I don't want to make that mistake. Let's not make that mistake, church. There's the, the lost world, the people around us, they need us to take a hold of it now. We can't afford to wait for another generation. Here and now, it's time to go up. Come on, we must go again. If you sideline yourself, no, 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 God's got a plan for you. God wants to work in you. Let's go again. You know, we got to have a heart check. Do I care about what God cares about? You know, we got to set spaces to seek God. Our, our intimacy comes from intentionality, right? And we got to have a passion for His presence because that's going to stir that around others. That's going to stir that in our families, our connect groups, you know, we got to pray bold prayers. God is looking for a people that would pray and we got to say, God, what's your way? What do you want to do? And as we do these things, we position ourselves to step into greater and we'll see an acceleration in his kingdom plans for our church and our families and our communities and beyond. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.